Hey everybody, welcome to Together Church's online experience. I am so thrilled that you're with us today. Before we get started, why don't you message us, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, you're listening on Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, why don't you send us a message? Let us know how we can better connect with you. Let us know where you're watching from and let us know how we can pray with you. We want you to know that you are a part of Together Church and we love you and uh, you're much appreciated. And if you want to help support what we are doing here at Together Church, you could go to mytogetherchurch.com and go to the gift portal to give to help in what we are doing for God's kingdom. Hey, we are in Acts chapter 15. Uh, we have been in Acts for a really long time, and uh, that's okay. We're in Acts chapter 15. Chances are next week we'll be in Acts chapter 15, and uh, I'm excited for this message today. I love it. I love everything about it, and um, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. I want to encourage y'all to take notes. Um, if you're driving, take mental notes until you can stop and write them down. But uh, during our hard times, during our battles, it's hard to remember what God has spoken into our lives. So that's why I think it's important for you to take notes so that when you're going through difficult times, when you're reading, you're praying, you're going through your Bible, that you can go and find your notes that, that go with those scriptures and remember what God has spoken in your life uh, during this time. Acts chapter 15, verse number 1. But some of the men came from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small decision and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, if we remember in chapter 11, when Peter had this wonderful experience on the rooftop and God came to him and said, God, um, you know, they brought the sheet down with all these animals, and God said, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Absolutely not, God. Uh, that I'm not going to do that. Those are unclean. And God had this moment and he says, Listen, Peter, what I call clean, no man can call unclean. And this happened a couple of times. And then Peter goes to where he was. Uh, God was calling him. He did what God called him to do. And then rose from the church people who were questioning why Peter was staying with Gentiles and doing all this with Gentiles. And he told him, he said, listen, God, I had this vision. God came down, this happened, and people were saved. And we see that this has kind of subdued the issue for a little bit, but now it's caught back up. 
and the idea of Gentiles and Jews and Christians, and it's all kind of just kind of a mess through this moment. And there's still a lot of unknown about the relationships of Jewish people and Christianity and how all this has worked together and how people who come out of the Jewish faith or transition from the Jewish faith to the Christian faith and what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And all this stuff is just kind of molded together and people just need to find lines, right? And um, the Jewish people uh, of the time, they see through a different lens, right? They have this idea and they have this question, well, well, how is man saved in the final judgment? And they're trying to ask these questions. And a matter of fact, this is a very relevant question for you and I. How are we saved in the day of judgment? And in, in their eyes, they're used to, for the last you know thousands of years, of needing to do certain things and to have rituals and things that they had to do in order to uh, please God or to be uh, do all these things that they can be, quote-unquote, saved, right? So the Jewish people come back and they say, well, well what's going to save a man in the day of final judgment? And they said, well, it's keeping the law of Moses. And, and part of that law is the law of circumcision, so as the Jewish people were the first ones to kind of go into the Christian faith, right? The day of Pentecost, people were saved. They believed in Jesus. And now we're seeing the Gentiles come in. But not only the Gentiles come in, but they're also being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now the Jewish people are saying, well, if these people are coming into the faith, well, they need to start living like we are living. And start doing the things that we are doing. So they said that, uh, that circumcision is something that they had to do. And they believed that these deeds had to be done in order to stand before God and to be found holy before the Lord. Right? There was deeds that had to be, there had to be works that if you were saved, you were saved because you did all of these right things. Now, Fast forward thousands of years later, and that's not really too far from where the Christian church is now, right? That you have to do these things. You have these extra things put on your life that are requirements to be saved or to be a Christian. Now, think about it. If deeds are a way of judging the way that people are saved, circumcision is a proof. It's an outward evidence of what you would think is an inward experience that, that the Jewish people were saying because of circumcision that's something that you can see and that's something that you can you know kind of prove that you have had this conversion because circumcision and keeping the law and a lot of these things is an outward thing that these are extra uh, requirements that show other people of how righteous you are. And this contention destroyed all the peace that the church had. 
right? Think about it. From the book of Acts, the early chapters of the book of Acts, they see great revival. They see the spirit moving. And then they see contention. They see contention in the church when uh, the widows were saying, no one's serving us. We see contention because of people like Paul at the time who was persecuting the church. We see the Pharisees persecuting the church. We see all this stuff. And then you see times where the church experienced peace. And they saw growth and they saw that God was doing mighty things through them in a little bit of a calmer time where the persecution wasn't so strong. And now this is flared up and destroyed all of that peace. Others wanted to see an outward expression that you could prove to everyone. And and, and so when it talks about Pharisees in this, this isn't talking about Jewish Pharisees. These are Pharisees who have um, given their life to Christ, but they kept their kind of Pharisee ways. That they experienced the rebirth of Jesus, but they're still dogmatic and religious about the way they live their lives. Right? Legalism. And listen, I want you to know, uh, well, first... This is the goal of a Pharisee, to be able to see the evidence of someone else's conversion. They want to be able to see and know that that person is saved. That person has had an encounter. They want to be the one that judges other people's conversions. And I want you to know there's a Pharisee deep inside of every one of us. And the working religion of the multitude of modern Christians is legalism, right? That that we have this idea that I should be able to look at you and judge you, judge your faith, judge where you are with Christ by outward things, right? And we have to be careful about that. Legalism focuses more on what you do And what you say rather than what you believe, what you've experienced, where your faith is. And Paul and Barnabas strongly opposed this. And after the Pharisee Christians heard about the great Gentile conversion, right? All these wonderful Gentiles getting saved. They wanted Paul and Barnabas to go back to this revival and to these believers, and to circumcise them, and to charge them to keep the law of Moses. They said, Paul, you go back, you circumcise them, and you tell them to keep the law of Moses. So in this moment, everyone is up in arms, right? They're getting Paul and Barnabas, they're sending them to Jerusalem. They said, Paul, you got to go fix this, you got to take care of this. Listen, the church is being built The church is growing. Lives are changing. Miracles are happening. People's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it all comes to a screeching halt because of religion. Because of legalism. They weren't worried about who's getting saved. They're not worried about who's getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not worried about who is um, being healed. What they're worried about is, are these people doing the right things? Are they saying the right things? Are they holding the traditions of our people? 
Let's keep reading. <clears throat> Acts chapter 15, verse number 6. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus just as they will. So let's set the stage for a moment. You have some of the greatest men of the Christian faith to ever be on the the world. They all went to Jerusalem. You got Peter, you got Paul, Barnabas, James, and then many other leaders that have come in to settle this matter. So, so imagine they're in this big room. You got Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James just all in there. There's, I'm sure the room is full of spectators and there's more leaders of the church that are around. There's Pharisees. There, there's everything. I'm sure there's an excitement in the room, right? Like everyone's talking. Everyone's trying to get a point across. And then Peter steps up. Now, Peter has the most weight in the room because he is one of the few men uh, still here who literally walked with Jesus, right? He was one of the three that was the closest to Jesus. So when Peter spoke, People listened. And he shares about the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Gentiles. And he argues, I like this, that the Spirit decides the matter. The Spirit decides who gets saved. The Spirit decides who is saved and who isn't saved. That it isn't our job as believers to be able to look and go, well, that person's saved. I don't think that person's really saved because it's not up to us. It's the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that decides that Point. Peter says salvation is through the grace of the Lord Jesus and not through the law. He said that salvation isn't in keeping the law, but salvation is in your faith in Jesus and the grace that he gives to us. And that we are saved through grace. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Salvation comes through grace. All right. I'm going to shotgun you some uh, scriptures right now, so so bear with me. Pay attention. Let's let's do this. Ephesians two eight through ten. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Romans 10, 9-13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to say that again. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, you are saved by faith. That when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you submit to him, that is how you're saved. You're not saved because you keep laws. You're not saved because you keep traditions. You're not saved by anything else but by Jesus. Listen, I want you to understand this. If there were requirements to salvation, Jesus wouldn't have came and died. If you had to take communion to be saved, God would have sent us the elements of communion and said, here, do this so you can be saved. If you had to be baptized to be saved, God would have sent you a big swimming pool and told everyone to go get saved, to, to go get baptized so they could be saved. If you had to be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be saved, then God would have sent his spirit and not his son. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only in the submitting, believing, and following of Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm excited today. It's not in your works. You're not good enough. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You, you can't make, you can't twist God's arm. You can't impress God with the great things you do, the money you give and everything else. That don't impress God. What impresses God is when you say, God, I submit to you, I believe in you, and I follow you today. Works is a product of our faith, not a sign of our faith. Okay? That, that when I do works, when there are things that I do, it's because it's out of my faith in Jesus Christ. That, that the people I serve the people I reach, the money I give, the things that I do is because I believe in Jesus Christ and I do these things. I don't do these things so that Jesus is impressed with me. I don't do these things that I can one day go, well, God, look at all the great things I've done. Look at all the money I've given. Look at the great things. Doesn't that do anything for me? I don't want y'all to get that confused, that your works is a product of your faith and not a sign of your faith, right? All right, let's go to James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and no one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, this is speaking the exact opposite of what the Pharisees was thinking. The Pharisees are saying, 
because you are circumcised, because you keep the law, because you, you follow these things, you're saved. Faith says the opposite. I'm saved, so I will do these things. Not I do these things, so I will be saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? We do them out of faith, and we're not doing them to receive faith. Okay? Let's make sure we don't get that twisted together. So, Peter just stands up, talks about what he's gone through, what he's experienced with the Gentiles. He talked about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that salvation comes through faith, through God's grace. So now, Peter sits down, and Paul and Barnabas stand up, and they have been put on the matter. Taking notes, once again, I want you to write this down. Salvation can be judged by the Spirit moving with signs and wonders. I'll unpack that. Acts chapter 15, verse 12. And all of the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Paul and Barnabas as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And this is their main point, that, that you can judge salvation being poured out on the people by the signs and wonders that God does through them to the unbelievers and how they believe through this Gentile mission. So, so what I'm saying is, that, that sounded all weird to me. How did that sound weird to you? It was kind of weird. Here's what's happening. He's saying, listen, if you look at the Gentile mission and what was happening, if you look about how we preach the gospel, people were saved, lives were changed, people were being healed, that you could tell that people were receiving faith through grace in Jesus, that, that people were being saved, and God was stamping his approval on it by sending his spirit with signs and wonders. That people, that God didn't come and show up because people were doing the right things, saying the right things. God showed up and performed miracles because lives were being changed through faith. And signs and wonders work as a seal of approval for God. This is what Paul was telling him. This is what Barnabas was telling him. That judge for yourself. He says, look at what happened. Look at the lives being changed. Look at the Spirit being poured out and judge for yourselves according to how God moved and how God changed the hearts of unbelievers. We saw in Acts chapter 14 when Paul and Barnabas was going into the cities and speaking boldly and they were seeing all these people come to know Jesus and each time God would pour his Spirit out on each of these revivals that Paul was leading. And the Gentiles, God brought wonderful miracles through these Gentiles. And listen, once again, it's not because they were keeping the law. God didn't pour his spirit out because people were doing the right things. God was pouring his spirit out through grace because of the faith of these Gentiles and the faith of Paul and the faith of Barnabas because he was pleased with what was happening. So Peter says that salvation is through grace and faith. And Paul is saying that you can judge what God is doing by how he's moving, 
that, that salvation is a deeper issue than the law. And God is approving it. And so they sit down. And then James stands up. And James makes the argument that God promised the Gentiles through the prophets that salvation would be for them. So Peter made the argument of faith in Jesus by the grace of God. Paul and Barnabas said, you can look at what's happening and know that salvation is for the Gentiles without the law, without the works, without the baggage, without the yoke, as Peter said, that we couldn't even carry. And now James is standing up, says, you know what, matter of fact, if we read the promises of God, we'll see that salvation's for everyone. Let's look at exactly what he said. Acts chapter 15, verse 13. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God visited first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from all that has been strangled and from blood. From, uh, for from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him and has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Listen now, James was leaning more towards the words of Peter. And that could be because, once again, that everyone kind of felt the weight of Peter's words. And, you know, Paul is still kind of new on the scene. People are still trying to trust him and do all these things. And so so he leans in and gives more weight to what Paul was, or excuse me, what Peter was saying. But he said, let's look and let's understand that God has always had a plan for the Gentiles. Yes, the Jewish people has always been his people, but God had a plan to one day bring the Jewish people in and that through faith they can believe in the Messiah. Okay, let's look at John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Wherever the wind blows, I think this is a 
good way to sum up what these three men have been saying. That this is the job of the Holy Spirit to lead whoever he wants into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? It's not the place of men to add requirements to salvation, right? It's the job of the Holy Spirit to lead us to repentance, and that's whoever he wants. And the church has a way, religion has a way of putting these extra requirements on people. And I want you to kind of do a, a mental assessment of yourself and really think about this and say, what are the requirements of salvation? Th think about this. What, what do you put on, maybe to other people in your mind, about what they need to do? If, if, if you were to go into witness to someone and said, okay, this is what you have to do to be saved. Uh, well, you got to quit drinking and cussing and smoking and, you know, all these things that we've We've always said, and you got to stop doing this and stop going there. And you give them a whole list of, I, you know, do's and don'ts. And that's not the Christian faith. If you lead someone to salvation, do exactly what Jesus did. You know, I think this is so uh, interesting. Somewhere along the way, we did this whole 12 point program of salvation, and you got to pray this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and everything else. When Jesus was selecting his disciples, he did something pretty easy. Walked up to him. He said, follow me. What? He, he, didn't, he didn't lead him into a sinner's prayer. He, he didn't tell him to quit their evil ways. Come on, somebody. What about the woman caught in adultery? He, he said, get up and sin no more. He, he, he didn't lead her in a sinner's prayer. Your, your salvation is found in your faith in Jesus. And your faith in Jesus causes you to follow him. If you prayed a prayer when you were eight years old, and you ain't followed Jesus since then, I want you to know there's more for you. Your salvation is not found in your prayer. Your salvation is found in your belief and following of Jesus Christ. So the, the Pharisees had this belief that when they stood in front of Christ one day, they could make an account for everything that they did to earn the salvation. That the, they had this idea that when they stood before God, they would go, God, listen, I was I was the number one tither in the church. Listen, I, I knew all the right answers in Sunday school. I I did all the right things. You know, I kept the law, I was circumcised, I did all these things. And they had an idea that they could earn God's salvation. We did all these things. But listen. When we stand before God, I believe he's going to give an account of all the right things he did. I'm not, I'm not saved through my own faith. I'm not saved because of what I've done. 
I'm saved because of what he did. That his blood being poured out on the cross is what saved me. It was his grace that when I was yet a sinner, he died for me. That my righteousness is as filthy rags. That there is nothing I can say to God that would twist his arm and make him believe that I did everything right. When I stand before God, he's going to declare his goodness. Zechariah 4, verse 6, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by your efforts. It's not by your work. It's not by what you do. Your salvation is by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's jump back into Romans chapter 10, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is that the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Come on, somebody. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved i want you to know something today salvation is for you and salvation is for now that there is not some program there's not this list of things that you need to learn how to do Or a long list of things that you're not allowed to do anymore. That this idea that you have to get your life right. There are things that you need to get in order. All these things. I want you to push that out of your mind right now. I want you to focus in on me. And I want you to hear this. That today is the day of salvation. That wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing. Whatever you've been doing. Whatever you're feeling right now. Jesus loves you. And salvation is for you right now. Don't worry about getting everything in order. 
Don't worry about kicking habits and doing everything else. What I want you to focus in on that right now is where's your heart? In this moment right now, do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is? That he raised that he rose from the dead, he bore your sins, he died for your sins, and that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit wants to live in you? And that right now, I know he is because that's the Holy Spirit that's turning your heart. It's the Holy Spirit that's grabbing your heart right now and wanting you to believe in Jesus. And that's all you have to do. And when you believe in Jesus, it makes you want to talk to him. And I want to pray with you that you don't have to have your life together to be a Christian. All right? There are plenty of Christians who are still trying to figure this out, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Christians that act like they're perfect aren't perfect. You know what I mean? Come on, someone. It's not a war. Right now, it's not about you being a good Christian. Right now, it's about you submitting your heart to Jesus Christ and believing in Him. It's a, um, what does that look like? First, it's submission. It's saying, God, I submit to you. I believe you are who you say you are, and I want to live the life that glorifies you. Right? It's submission. Believing, submitting, and following him. If you remember, uh, once again, that when Jesus called his disciples, he said, hey, listen, follow me. And they got up and they followed Jesus. Your salvation is evident by the following of Jesus Christ. That God, listen, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I follow you daily. I believe in you. I submit to you. And now I follow you. And I believe that today is the day that you choose to follow Jesus. Not religion. Not yourself, not doing what you think has to be done, not even saying the things right now that you think you need to say, right? That you were taught to to say one day. But right now it's about you following Jesus. I'll pray with you. God, I know there's people watching, Lord, and um, God, they feel the stirring in their heart. They feel your love breaking through. God, they've been feeling empty. They've been feeling scared. They've been feeling confused. They don't know why they're watching this right now, God, but it's the Holy Spirit that led them to this moment. God, they've struggled with the idea of, you know, being in the right place to be a Christian. They're afraid that they don't know the right words to be a Christian. They don't know the right way to act, God. That They are just who they are, God, and that's okay because they have to focus right now, God, in accepting that you are the Messiah, that you are here to save them, that you died on a cross, you rose again, and you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you are interceding for them right now, and the Holy Spirit is working in their heart, leading them to this moment, God. And God, as they're praying, they're submitting to you. They say, God, I've done this myself. I've tried this myself, and it hasn't worked. 
So God, I want to give it to you. And God, when they finish praying, they they leave this moment, God, this intimate moment that you're having with them. That God, they follow you. God, we believe today that you are the Messiah. Come into our lives, forgive us of our sins, and lead us down the path that you have for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come into our hearts. Save us. Let your love break through. Jesus, we give the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, what a wonderful message. And if you were feeling the stirring of the Holy Spirit, and you prayed, and you said, God, I want to follow you. I believe who you are, Jesus, and I want to follow you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to message us. We want to be a part of this journey with you. There's strength in community. That when you give your life to Christ, it's always good to be a part of a community who can help you in that journey. And um, the Christian faith is better together. <laughs> and um, so message us. Let us know how we can pray with you. Let us know how we can better connect with you. And uh, we're excited for what God is going to do in your life. And so we do encourage you to partner together with someone as you do this journey. We love y'all so much. Uh, once again, send us messages. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how we can better connect with you. And we will see you next Sunday. And we want to remind you that life is always better together.